April, we are back we are for another back. episode of Date Night Conversations. So How are you doing? Excited. I am doing fabulous. I'm super excited for this episode. Me too. It's uh, This is one we've been talking about for quite some time. And yes. we've been able to finally land the guest. We have, and that's been she. They have been on the top of your list since we started this. So I'm super excited that they were able to join us. That's true. And then last time, I kind of felt like they might have been ducking us a little bit, but we, they were we, probably like those people. No way. But we got them pinned down now. <laughs> well, at least at least the good one. We got Jen. We yeah. got Jen pinned got down. The She's nice the one, one that we wanted to yeah, talk we to. Like her anyways. Better anyways. Oh yeah. no, you you have got to do Clark. It'll be much more entertaining than this one. <laughs> well, much. Clark is yeah. coming for round two for sure, but. Clark and Jennifer Jensen are two people that um, we're fortunate enough to count as friends. Um, they're people that sure. we get to uh, work alongside, um, but they're also people that we admire and that we learn from and uh, have made our lives better in mm -hmm. a lot of areas. So oh, wow. we're super excited. Right, so stinking nice, right? So excited to have that's, you here. That's a little over the top. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's the truth. I love you guys. So um, we're super happy mutual. to have uh, Jennifer Jensen here with us. Thank so you. Jennifer, thank you for joining us. Thank I always you. like to say thank you for joining us on the podcast. I don't think we have any thank listeners, yeah. but it's okay. <laughs> that's we, okay. We have fun talking and learning. To all the listeners, I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So yeah. Jen is um, in town right now for a little bit, but um, tell us where uh, you and Clark are living currently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and thank you. This is super fun. You did not um, say where she was from. You didn't say that like they're from Global Family. That's true. It's okay. I've yeah. not done. But yet. you can't tell you like why doesn't are you matter. here? And then he doesn't. doesn't that's true. Matter. I didn't do that. very good on the whole intro component to it. Oh, so we'll, we'll get to build. it. I'm kind yeah. of ashamed we'll, right we'll now. We'll get to yeah, it. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't. I'll work You're on. Ashamed. I'll work on that. Get, fill out a comment card. <laughs> It'll go in my evaluation. I'm going to do that. I'll try, oh, I'll try to get better. Okay. So Clark and I live in Scotland. Okay. Uh, we have been there for, man, well, I moved there with the dog three years ago. Okay. <laughs> Clark's been there about a half year longer. So yeah, almost four years. Almost four yeah, years. In Scotland. So yeah, it's it's hard to believe, um, honestly. Haven't lived full-time in California um, since August of 19. So yeah, we, I mean, we like it. Um, we, you know, this is home. I mean, obviously I'm originally from Canada, so... Um, but I moved to Bakersfield when I was 18. So this is home, you know, all of our, really our, our relationships are mostly all here. Um, and, um, so you asked me where I'm living. So I went on a little further than that, but that is what I do. So you need to be careful with me because I do get off on a lot of tangents. <laughs> like tangents. Yeah. Like yeah. Tangents. My stories are very interesting, but yeah. So that's where I live. Scotland. Me too. I like tangents in my stories. Right and then April's right. usually like, hey, let's bring it up. Tell me tell me what you need to tell me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm sorry. I got to tell you everything about the story. So stories are, are super long and they have a lot of details. And it's, that's great if you're filling out a report. So are mine. Um, yeah. Except for if I just want to know actually what happened and I don't need to know like what they were wearing or the time of the day. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> let's just say we tell the stories a little bit differently. We do tell yeah. stories yeah. differently. And yes. that's good. That is a good thing. So Scotland, yeah. you've lived, yes. uh, you guys have probably lived a lot of interesting places though. And hopefully we can touch on that a little bit, but a little bit of the, the intro is that um, Clark and Jennifer are the founders and Jennifer is currently the executive director of global family. And so mm -hmm. while I get a chance to, um, we've a chance to know you in a variety of different capacities, I think 
most of our life overlaps with you on the global family side because this is a organization that April and I really um, mm -hmm. support and love and believe in. So tell us a little bit about the global family uh, organization, the how it started, family. what you do. And how right. much how much detail, April? You can do all the detail <laughs> no. you want on all this the one. On this one, we need all the details. No, no, oh, no. And I can edit it out. If you do it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Nice. Uh, global family. Okay. Well, so the journey of global family began um, when we left. Well, no, actually prior to. So uh, Clark and I married here in Bakersfield in 1990. And then a couple of years later, um, Clark started to work uh, in different parts of the city um, around the Rancho Motel, particularly and other motel residences, let's say, um, doing kids clubs and coffee clubs with the adults who are in the um, in the areas. And that's really where Global Family started. Um, so we did that for a few years and then we um, we were on staff at First Assembly um, to do all the things that we needed to do to prepare for missionary service. Um, we planted a church downtown on 19th and I um, and that was that was fun, a lot of fun, and um, and then um, actually held services for a while in the Martin Luther King Building, um, so kind of all all around town really. And then we left in '99 for North India. So our kids were, Charity was five, um, and our son Court was two, and we left for the Himalayas of North India. What so led you that was to the Himalayas? Right, of... Yeah, what was that attraction? The Himalayas. Well, so Clark and I were both separately um, felt called to missions as, um, you know, in church camps, um, me in Canada, Clark in Colorado. Uh, we were both about 14, 15, probably mm -hmm. when that started. Um, Clark felt specifically called to India um, and I did not. I was... <laughs> I had no idea what I wanted to do. I still really have no idea what I want to do. <laughs> says that sometimes. Just, I don't know what I want to be. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just, yeah, that. just crazy enough to say yes to a lot of things. Um, so I was in Canada at a church camp. This is a very roundabout story. But anyways, um, they had a youth service and, you know, the emphasis was missions and basically it was altar call if you think you want to be a missionary. So I'm like, sure. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> 14, I cared more about my hair and my outfit than I did about anything else. I mean, let's be honest. And so um, so I went down and then the speaker, um, I don't know, for whatever reason, he said, all of you down here, you come up on the stage. I want to hear where you feel called to. And then I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know. And I wanted so badly to go back to my, um, to my pew, but it was too late. So I went up and I placed myself at the back of the line on purpose because I'm like, I have no idea. So people are saying, you know, I want to go to Tunisia. I want to go to, you know, all these places. And honestly, finally, it got to me. I'm the last one. And my older brother, um, I'm the youngest of four, he had just gotten married and his uh, wife had spent a summer on a kibbutz in Israel a couple of years, a couple of years earlier. And I was um, I was just fascinated by it. And I'm like, I want to go to Israel. <laughs> No idea. Yeah. So anyways, that was that. And then a couple of years later, um, my father being a pastor, um, always had missionaries come and speak. And one particular missionary was very famous for his work in India. His name is, um, was Mark Buntain, came to speak at my father's church in Edmonton. So we lived in Edmonton from the time I was 13 to 18. And as good 
ministry family, we would always, you know, take the missionary to lunch or they would come to our house and my mom would cook. And so this particular day we went um, to this restaurant, downtown Edmonton, very nice Sunday brunch, you know, all this. And we sat at this round table. And so it was my parents, um, one of my brothers, my sister and myself, and then this missionary. So round table. So kind of like April and I are sitting here. It was me and then this man, Mark Buntain. He was a very, um, I mean, interesting individual. Um, when he spoke about India, obviously his whole life he'd dedicated to the city of Calcutta and the work there and quite fascinating. But he would um, he wasn't always present with you, like you'd be sitting there and then he would just be praying out loud. He would be talking to God. He would be, you know, spirit filled. And, and so for a 16 year old who, again, you know, I, I remember actually what I was wearing. I had big hair. I mean, it's the eighties, right? Um, I had big hair, heavy earrings, you know, that were like weighing down my earlobes and I had a mini skirt <laughs> on. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. and so anyway, so he, at one point during the lunch, um, he asked, you know, my brother, my sister and I, what we, you know, what we, our plans were, our life plans. And again, I'm like, you know, no idea. <laughs> but for whatever reason, again, um, he got to me and I, and I said, and I had not, not told anybody this except my best friend who went down to the altar as well. And she never went to the mission because <laughs> neither of us were really very serious at, obviously at the time. And, um, and I just, I looked, you know, and I said, I think I want to be a missionary. <laughs> And my mother was just like, I mean, what? her face just dropped. She's like glaring at me. I think my dad just thought I'd lost it. You know, who knows? And this man, Mark Fontaine, he kind of scooted his chair, you know, a little closer to me, grabbed my hands and started to shake me and pray for me that I would someday go to India. It was one of the worst moments of my entire life. I mean, it's just, I, I will tell you. You're like, yeah. one of the worst moments yeah. ever. Yeah, it, that was it, not the response I was expecting it, you to no, say right there. No. I thought you were going to say like, oh my gosh, and it changed everything for me. You're like, one of the worst moments ever. No, so well, weird. It, it, it did change things, but um, no, I just was mortified. I mean, here I am, like I have a reputation to, you know, to keep up. You know, She's I like, was. Have you seen my miniskirt? I was looking good, and here we're in this beautiful restaurant downtown Edmonton, and I'm like, oh God, just get me out of here. And I knew I would be hearing from my mother later, so the whole thing was, you know, big mistake, obviously. So then, two years later, my father got invited to pastor Bakersfield First Assembly here in California. And while I did debate staying in Canada, I mean, I was 18 and I'd already started university, I decided to move down here. Funny little caveat, I came in as an illegal alien on a, um, on a round trip ticket and I never went back interesting <laughs> so, so quite possibly not, there's a warrant for your arrest not, right now not you very might be many, fugitive from not the law. very many people know that yeah so like, well, anyways everyone's yeah, going that to is all four people yeah. that listen to this are all <laughs> going to know that that's now. why i felt it was kind of safe <laughs> to say you know let's be honest yeah so yeah so i did um i did eventually get my green card and for what it's worth i had my green card before I married Clark, so I, like I did, I yeah. did so not, I not marry, marry him for, for my citizenship. Well, you know, you never know. You never, charity quarter anchor babies. You never know what <laughs> Exactly. Anchor babies. Oh, my gracious. Yeah. So anyways, came here when I was 18 and, um, well, to be, okay, so I did not have status, um, but Vanguard University, which at the time was Southern California College, an Assembly of God Christian Liberal Arts College. Um, my father 
called the school up, the principal of the school or the dean, and um, uh, said, hey, you know, um, he said, my my daughter needs to go to school. <laughs> and she, you know, she can't attend regular school yet. And so being that he was pastor of a big church, you know, they said, oh, why didn't you come down and tour the campus? So we went down and then... Um, yeah, long story short, he went back up to Canada to help my mom move. And one of the church members from First Assembly drove me down with a suitcase and I landed at Vanguard. Did not know one person. I was 18, new country, and I'm in Costa Mesa. Yeah, so it was kind of a That is not a, little a bit. bad place to land, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, That's yeah. True. So at the time, Vanguard was, I don't know, maybe seven, 800 students, you know, pretty small. It's grown. And... um so I just started to explore, um, you know, the, they put me in this group, like the freshmen, even though I, I, I was, I technically already been to university for a year. Um, I was new. So they put me in this group and, you know, they showed me around for, you know, did things and kind of got me sorted like with everything I needed. And at the end of my orientation week, um, these two guys, um, Barton and Craig, um, they said, okay, there's just, you know, a couple things we should tell you about Vanguard. And I'm like, okay. And they said, there's two guys that you need to stay away from. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay. Um, and one is, well, I won't say his name cause that may be kind of embarrassing. Um, <laughs> and I said, okay. And the other was Clark Jensen. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. I didn't, yeah, I'd never met them. I didn't know. I so, nothing to you, yeah. so sure enough, the, the first one, um, I met him within a few days and, um, I would go out on a date with literally anyone. I love to go on dates. I got, you know, taken to all kinds of fun things, you know. When that Adrian didn't mean it was ever serious. in San Diego, she would go on dates because she said that's how she got fed because she didn't have to pay for dinner. And she's like, Absolutely. no, like, I just go on random dates all the time so someone can buy me <laughs> dinner. Brent or I were, like, mortified. And I she's like, totally oh, mortified. It, it saved me so much money. <laughs> a date. It's innocent. It doesn't yeah. have to turn into dating. No, it One didn't. date. And normally it's him. a random meal. So, yeah. yep. So, <laughs> so I met this one particular. So that said, this guy did ask me out. Um, and I said no. He was just kind of greasy. He had like a line and oh, I don't know. So wasn't <laughs> interested, even though I would literally almost go out with anybody. And then I met Clark. I met him in the lobby of the Towers. Um, that still exist, I think. And um, we talked for a few minutes in the in the lobby. Then there's the girl side and the and the guy side. And when I was um, walking over to go up the stairs, he walked me over to the door and I turned around and um, he had this kind of like pale blue, like Oxford style shirt, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it made his eyes just look, you know, so blue. He was really cute. And I said, I said, oh, I said, the your eyes match the color of your shirt. And I said, you have nice eyes. And he's like, yeah, I hear that all the time. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Lord. I mean, just so obnoxious. So, but anyways, that started. And so from that day, so that would have been probably early September um, of the school year that I met him. And then he followed me everywhere. Like I would be, I was actually a studious person. I'd be in the library. He'd come sit there and talk to me about India. I mean, every conversation was about India. And um and then he asked me out after, I don't know, a few weeks of like literally talking for hours. But everything, he asked me out and I said, sure, I'd love to go on dates. <laughs> and I did. Because I, 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 I really do enjoy that experience. And he said, okay. Um, and 
And I, that is exactly what I said. I said, I'd love to go on dates. And he said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not asking you to go out on a date for fun. He said, you know, if you're into me, let's go out on a date. And I said, well, I don't know yet. <laughs> so I said, well, then no. <laughs> like, if that's your criteria, and we've had that kind of relationship for a long time, I think. So I, so I said, no. I said, you know, I don't, I don't know if I'm into you yet. So I don't know, another week or two, it wasn't that long. Um, he asked me out again, and I said yes. And he borrowed his brother's car um, and took me to Disneyland for our first date. It's yeah, a good day. And we did kiss on the first date. Oh, okay. By the Country Bear Jamboree. The Country <laughs> the Bear no longer exists. Jamboree. Oh, <laughs> Which it does not jamboree. exist. He couldn't take his car because uh, Clark had a communal car that he would park on the campus and always leave the keys in. And then people would just use it. Um, and it was not in very good shape. And so he That's bought his brother's hippie-ish. car. Yeah, I know. But anyways, that, that so was the start of the- why did he not want to use the communal car, though? Was it not high enough quality? I don't to know if it would have day? made it to Disneyland. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have yeah. made it. I don't know. Thing. I think maybe he was trying to impress me. So he bought right. us by this car. But Clark was from- He's like, I'm going to use a clean car. From, a clean, <laughs> from day one, it was all about India and essentially- I mean, that's why he was very purposeful. He's like, look, if you're into me, you know, I'm going to India and I'm looking for a wife to go with me. <laughs> that was just about it. So well, that's um, yeah, <laughs> so it's not at all normal. But the fact that he knew what he wanted to do with his life um, and so passionate about it um, just really appealed to me. I think, you know, obviously I saw, I don't know, he seemed like somebody kind of like my dad. And um, so that really appealed to me. And yeah, so we were engaged and um, within seven months, seven, seven or so months, seven, eight months, mm-hmm. and then married um, a year later. So, so see, that was the start of India. I do see a <laughs> lot of parallels between Clark and your dad being fortunate enough to know your dad and, you know, as a kid looking up and, and just knowing him from afar and then getting to know him as an adult and then looking back as to how he, he was, I could definitely see he, you know, the focus and the drive and then knowing Clark also as a kid and then also as an adult, I see a lot of similarities, definite uh, difference in delivery style in how uh, mm-hmm. the approach that's taken, but the drive, the passion, the ability to inspire um, the intellect, the reason for doing it, the reason, just knowing the reason for doing it and that drive, absolutely uh, the same. You know, there's one thing, um, we have it hanging up in a living room in our house. I've told you this before. Um, your dad and mom came to our wedding and they signed oh, yeah. this picture. And so um, we look at it and look at his signature because he was <laughs> so good to us. I remember when um, I graduated from college and my parents threw um, like a, uh, a graduation party for me. And they're like, well, you know, who do you want to invite? And I invited your, your mom and dad. And they're like, Really? To a graduation party? <laughs> yeah, from college. Yeah, because we had my parents had like had a barbecue in our backyard. Okay. And I invited your parents because I always thought so highly of your dad. He always just made me feel so good. And he was just such a great guy. I really liked him. So that was really cool. Nice. And then until uh, when I was in uh, junior high, Clark was my PE teacher. I don't think we liked Mr. Jensen very much as a PE teacher. I don't, I don't think, so think Mr. Jensen was a very nice PE teacher. <laughs> 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 but it's funny nice. how it comes back. Oh, oh it comes yeah. Full, full circle. circle. <laughs> so, yeah. That's awesome. Maybe you just weren't a good student. There, so that is that... the absolute. Oh, yeah. 100% true. There's no way that Clark yeah. was a bad teacher. It was that I was a bad student. Oh, that's yeah. 100% true. I can only imagine what a little oh. knucklehead I was as a 
junior high student. I'm still friends with a lot of the same guys from junior high. Mm-hmm. And I can only imagine looking back at them now, what a handful we probably were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys are a handful now. So yeah. 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 <laughs> Especially when they're together, you're just like, I don't know when he'll be home. Yeah. It's you fine. put uh, Jake Panero and Paul Antridoki and Jeff Dunlap and I, you sprinkle a couple of those other guys in there. And uh, that that's, just, that's just group. trouble. But how great that you still live in the same community with those people. I mean, I, I think that's one of the things that we miss the most about our life because we just, you know, we're everywhere and we've lived so many places. That's why we stay here. Bakersfield is that those relationships and those roots. It's that like, are what there. is it? We were just saying that last, was it last night? Uh, one degree of separation in Bakersfield, not six, yeah. one usually. No, it's true. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's true. So, and we've talked about that before. There's a lot of good that comes from that, but it's, Nice to some challenges to branch too. Out to. Oh, sometimes yeah. there's yeah. some challenges. Sometimes you Everybody might want everything. A little like, bit more oh, super. I wish you didn't know that about me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you guys go to India, yeah. and yeah. then uh, so you saw Clark has has always decided he was always wanted to go there, and so then the opportunity yeah. presents itself, and you go. And yeah. what do you guys? What do you do? Did you were you part of an established organization? Mm-hmm. Did you start your own? And and if so, what? How did that transition to? starting global family yeah so we went um with the assemblies of god um world missions you know i grew up pentecostal assemblies of canada clark grew up assembly of god you know that's that's, that was our world so we did we landed in the city of new delhi and um and then we were assigned to go up into the the hills uh to take language uh study to to learn hindi sorry um, so we thought we would only be there a year. Um, that is the length of time that normally they, they want you to go. Um, and so we, yeah, we spent a couple weeks in Delhi kind of sorting out some things, you know, bank account and all those kinds of things. And then we made the trek, uh, 11 hour drive in this van. Um, people took us up there and landed at this hill station about 8,000 feet up in the foothills of the Himalayas. Um, no running water in our flat. And, um, you know, we're assigned to language school and they had um, the organization owned certain buildings. So they gave us a flat in this building and, and that was, that was it. So that was the start of, of India. Um, Basically the assignment was learn the language and then work with the local church. Um, We had always, in fact, it's funny, you know, we had a thing called prayer cards back in the day. I think some people still have them. And we had always, um, we had put on our original prayer card, you know, we wanted to serve um, children in India. But our organization at the time um, was not, um, they didn't want missionaries doing compassion work. It was work with the local church, support local pastors, and that was that. So we went up there. I was mostly always home. Um, Charity started school shortly thereafter. Um, so she she did kindergarten at Stockdale Christian School, and we left in April of that year, and then she started grade one in um, in this school. And, um, and Clark started traveling and working with this other missionary. And so they traveled all over the North India region, mostly up in the Himalayas, um, kind of hard to get to places. I think it became a bit of a a game, you know, to get out the map and go, oh, this would be cool, you know, and let's go there. And, you know, then you'd be gone for like three weeks and, you know, come back. And so um, so it was exciting. I mean, I think we just, we felt like we we're on this big adventure. He just loved it, you know, loved, like it was hard, you know, you get sick, you're trekking and it's not an easy place to live. It wasn't an easy place to, you know, to be a white female, um, blonde uh, with two little blonde kids. 
Um, but we loved it. We just felt like, you know, we were where God wanted us to be. And, you know, that helps you get through a lot of difficult things because there were lots of difficult things in North India. Um, it's not an easy place to be. So, so when you say yeah. that, do you feel like um, um, where you looked at kind of um, that you weren't wanted or on the kind of on the outside and, and I'm guessing just not not welcomed or took time to feel welcomed or what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, you know, we were part of an organization and so we quickly met this hill station because of the language school there. Um, there was certainly um, some other missionary families and that, um, I mean, just providentially, there was a, um, a Southern Baptist uh, pediatrician just like a few minutes walk from our house, just kind of up the hill. Um, and he was um, he was assigned to the local hospital, which to call it a hospital would be a stretch, but, you know, the, to the medical facility, let's say. Um, and so that was amazing. So we, you know, we kind of quickly got to know people. Um, but did you ask how it was hard? Like, I mean, just North India is a difficult place. It's a very um, aggressive culture. Mm -hmm. um, North Indian men. Now, obviously, you can't say this about every North Indian man, but in that context at that time, um, let's say, um, I, you know, I had to be extremely careful. Um, even if I was with Clark, even if it was noticeable that we were together, um, you know, men would <laughs> try to touch me or they would stare at me. And there's a, there was in that area, um, and I'm sure things have changed, you know, a great deal now, but the fact that you know, oh, you're you're American. Um, we watch Baywatch. I literally was told that so many times, <laughs> and so their vision of, of a blonde woman from California was that you know we were loose right. and we were you know that was anyways. So not a great, not great. So yeah, so we um, so that was that that was difficult and other things about you know living there but we really did love it even the no running water i mean i did manage to fix the water um and so then i did have running water <laughs> clark was gone a lot i got to work on that very very old building that we lived in <laughs> and did a few things but um rerouted some water lines and all of a sudden i had running water we have a friend but, you know from india and uh She's, you know, told some stories just about being a female in mm. India and how hard that was. And um, a difference for her family is that, you know, she does have a brother and her father doted on her. And she's like, it's actually mm. kind of uncommon. Very that uncommon. I, my, you know, yeah. um, as opposed to she's like in a lot of other families, you know, the girl had to do everything and the boy was, you know, kind of put on a pedestal. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, but not in my family my family my brother had to do it and i was put on a pedestal so when her father did die of cancer and it was super hard for her because she's like he was kind of my rock in this life that we lived that uh, just wasn't common mm. so when you talk about being a uh blonde female mm. um that's from a different culture i would think that would be much more difficult even than just being a female in that culture and i know nothing mm. about what it is right now i have no idea um, I just know back then she's talked about that and she doesn't tell yeah. a lot of her story. One day we are going to get her in here and she is going to tell her story. Um, but some of those uh, things that she still has to deal with just as a woman raised in that um, culture and expectations yeah. that because her father doted on her, she didn't quite live up to those ex those culture expectations. Fascinating. It was her story is, is very fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just, I, I don't know. I just think that would be, extremely difficult. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a very male-dominated part of the world, you know, so um, boys you are favored. And honestly, if, um, you know, you can pay to get ultrasounds, but most times they, they don't want to tell you the sex of the baby because if if families know they're having a girl, they will try to get rid of the girl, you know. And even after um, children are born, I mean, mothers will abandon their female daughters. Uh, uh, in this setting... An Indian woman is really not accepted into her husband's family until she bears a son. Mm -hmm. um, and so if she has a girl and then another girl and then another girl, um, her life will be very, very miserable. I mean, she'll most likely be beaten by the mother-in-law. Um, it's it's not a not a nice place. Which is but to go back to your question about the people, I mean, in our little community, um, there are just some some of the best people in the world, um, the Indian families that live there. And Clark would be gone quite a bit, so they would watch out for me. And um, and that was so, so great. So, you know, obviously this is not a generalization, no, but, no. Um, but yeah, some things. There's, that... I, we always say this, uh, always and never doesn't really exist in life. There's never and always <clears throat> any, uh, we, when you're dealing with culture, uh, beliefs, or anything else, there's not an always and there's not a never mm. or even if you're just fighting with your spouse, there's a you always does not exist or you never does not exist. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. It's good to remember that. It is good to remember that because you can't say that generalization to people. Right. Um, but I, like, in the sense you were talking about, I can't imagine, we've talked about this kind of before, women are always harder on other women than we oh, are yeah. on men. We always have that expectation. True. Um, and, and I personally, I know that, like, I expect more from another woman than I do a man. I, yeah. I just do. I'm like, I can't believe, like, you're another, like, you should know better. Like, that's just, uh, um, but it, I just always find that interesting yeah. that sometimes we're our own worst enemy. So I've had lunch with a very wise friend a few days ago, and she said something to me, and I thought, that is so true. She said, I think it's changed now. We're in a different generation, but she and I are about the same age. And she said, females were not raised to be team players boys were and you think about that i thought that is so true i mean right. girls are just terrible with each other right. i mean so jealous so oh i mean just we're harder i think can, on ourselves and yeah. on other women than yeah. men are just like i mean if you get a group of guys they could just hang out or whatever there's no like i always talk about we talk about that cattiness or mm -hmm. judgmental they're just a lot of it. it's like dude we're just hanging out it's great <laughs> well, i don't know like it, and there's no like always like what did what did they say about this like i don't know i didn't ask but they 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 want me to know they'll tell me right uh and then girls <laughs> are like oh yes this and she said mm -hmm. that and he's oh and, and uh i yeah. i don't know i just think sometimes as females we're our own worst enemy as opposed to um supporting and uh knowing that i personally think there's more expectations on females than there are women uh of mm -hmm. the roles the many hats that we wear and the roles that we have to play um yeah. like I know Clark is out doing uh, good work, but he could not do that if you were not home doing all the things that you were doing, right? Sure. With with sure. that confidence of I don't have to worry about what's going on at home because Jen lives in this community and I know she's yeah. going to take care of the kids and she will handle it. Yeah, and the, I I sure. I think that's even more so important than sometimes than what they're out doing is that support because they can't sure. do it without you. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's true. Very well said. I agree. So. How does so? How does the transition start to occur? You're there, you know. What what leads you and Clark to forming? Yeah, a global family. So on one of the um, 
this Clark and this other missionary, um, they decided to go again. I think it just sounded cool and a big challenge to trek to the highest um, village in the world where people live year round. So you're talking above the tree line, uh, right up by the Tibetan border. Um, very difficult place to get to. So I don't know. I think they were gone at least three weeks on this trip because they had to drive and then they had to walk a lot, um, very long ways. And then they finally went to this place. They stayed a few days. They took a bunch of Bibles, like backpacks full of Bibles. And there were like six houses in this little, like not very many people live in this really lovely place way on top of the world. Um, and so, I mean, honestly, they landed there and no plan like of what to do, but the local people welcomed them in and um, it would get so cold there in the winter that the animals would Again, I am going to get to the point. <laughs> there are a lot of fun. This there are, there are a lot of fun details on the way. So the the animals, the yaks, and that would actually enter the house. Um, and so there was a bottom level where the animals would go at night to sleep mm -hmm. because it was too cold outside. And then there would be like these slats, and then the people would lay up there or cook their food or whatever. So, so they stayed in this village, and on the way out. Um, that was maybe one of the times that Clark got the sickest. I mean, it just was, yeah, pretty, I don't know what he, he would eat and drink whatever they would give him. And it was mostly like the water, you know, he yeah. just didn't feel like he could say, oh no, I need to have bottled water or whatever. So, so he, he got lots of fun things, but um, anyway, so on the way out of this village, the people asked them if they would take this boy um, with them because a Tibetan boy, you know, many Tibetans flee um, now China because they can't be Tibetan anymore. They can't practice their culture. So they cross over by foot um, the high Himalayas to get into North India and other places. Um, and they have these whole communities. Well, a lot of families along the way, many perish, lots of things happen. And this boy's parents had sold him to the village. They couldn't, they couldn't feed him. And so they left the boy there. Village gave him some money. And then this boy became kind of the slave of the, you know, this small little area. But anyways, I think the boy kept getting into trouble. And so they didn't want him anymore. So, so they gave him the Yeah. So <laughs> they asked, essentially, they said, Will you take this boy? And what are you going to say? No. You know, you're on top of the world. Sure. Right. You know, so the answer was yes. Well, this is pre-cell phones in India. Um, Clark had been gone a long time. And so sure enough, they finally come back to our little place and he's got this kid with him. <laughs> what are you like, doing? Surprise. Oh, surprise. What, are you, what are you doing? And so, you know, and so he was at an age where it wouldn't have been the wisest thing to have him stay in our house because of charity's age. Right. And, um, and so we just like, Pretty much everybody back then started a children's home. We're like, oh, we'll just start a children's home. Like, that's what people do in the mission field. And so we did. And we hired some really great people to start it. This was just about a, like, 20-minute walk straight up the mountain from where our house was. Um, hired good people and went into it. We're feeling all happy. You know, Clark's off traveling and stuff again. And then this other couple really developed it and, and kind of went with it. We weren't really overly involved. And, you know, then, I don't know, within a year or so, there's 45 kids there. Wow. And where did these kids come from, you know? And there was abuse in the home and certainly not what I would have wanted for my son should something have, you know, happened to Clark and I. 
And it was through that experience. I mean, we made lots more mistakes and I, I will say probably make mistakes to this day, but it was through that experience that we developed Global Family to, um, you know, to have an alternative approach to kids that had been sold, that had been orphaned, abandoned, um, to create a family-based level of care, yeah, through local churches. Isn't that and- crazy? We talk about, like, a life when we're like, gosh, it's been a hard week. Um, but I didn't have to trek somewhere and, like, sell my kid. <laughs> so I think we're going to be okay. I think we're going to be okay. <laughs> I think we'll we make always, it. I know sometimes we always have that with friends that are like, oh, about their kids and our we talked about this earlier, our level is a little different than them. We're like, ah, if they're not going to prison, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> graduate uh, high school. I know, graduate high school, like, I promise, I know it's a really Success. hard time, but it will get better, uh, especially if they have these, have a, you know, a foundation of God, I, they're going to be fine. But yeah. that never does it come up like, well, you know, I got, they were too much, so I sold them. Like that's just right. not, or that we had to trek anywhere. Trek, we don't, we don't trek anywhere. I don't trek to my car. Like just walk. I, <laughs> I think we're so blessed in America and it in is, North yeah. America that we talk we about have this sometimes. Yeah, zero, zero knowledge, zero of understanding like, um, of what it's like for almost the 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 majority yes. of the world of what the challenges and what life those struggles actually are. If I if people could grasp that, just to yeah, grasp just a, a degree bit. of that. Mm-hmm. I think the amount of gratitude mm-hmm. they would have yeah. for the life that they live and thankfulness for the life that they live, yes. it would put into perspective, yeah. you know, the, um, the quote unquote right. issues that we think we mm-hmm. have in our life. My mom does met, has yeah. done medical trips for years with our doctor to Guatemala. And just that, like the concept of what we have is poor here and mm-hmm. the concept in other countries is totally different. She's like, you have kids in yeah. Guatemala literally that eat mud to stay yeah. alive like i've never eat mud no we make mud pies but nobody eats them <laughs> and just that concept is so foreign because even people who are poor on the streets have so many different programs here you know there's homeless shelters there's just people that'll just come mm-hmm. out and give food that doesn't that level of uh poverty homelessness just being a kid all of a sudden a street you know what do you call them like in some places like street urchins you know they're yeah. all on their own doesn't exist here it's, yeah. it's a crazy perspective and it's such a it's not even close to what you've dealt with but no. um adri and i went on a trip to um twice to honduras uh, mm-hmm. during um spring break for like a uh i don't know if you know martin control at all through um i know the name through new hope and mm-hmm. it was it's my understanding he had some first assembly ties and yeah his family did something very similar but in um san pedro sula honduras mm-hmm so we've been there um, a couple different times. And the first time we went, just seeing the poverty was, it mean, just challenges you to your core. And mm-hmm. the first time kind of we went out and there was this little boy and he had this, his hand was swollen and abscessed mm-hmm. and it was so bad. And I asked, like, well, what's going on? Well, he's been bitten by a spider and he's got some sort of, medical issues going on here and he needs medicine but they can't afford it mm. and it just grabbed my and at a moment i said how much i'll pay for it yeah how much I, is it i, I want to pay for it i can't mm-hmm. i can't even go another and think yeah that i could have done something not help this kid and they go are you sure and i started to panic and i'm like oh god what am i committing myself to There's at probably this sense. point but i'm like right. i've got to do this i can't not do that whatever it is I'll yeah. max out a credit yeah. card and I'll explain April when I get home. I'm taking care of this. I would have told him to do it. So, so, they're, so they're like, 
I can't even remember what their form of currency is, but they're like, it's 7,000 something or another. And I'm starting to sweat because I'm like, <laughs> oh my yeah. God, what am I committing myself to? And I do, I do it. And I'm like, yes, do it. I'll pay for it. And th so then we get done. And then I lean over to the missionary tomorrow and I was like, Marn, how much is that in dollars? And he whispers, it's like $7. Yeah. I yeah. felt immediate relief because yeah. I'm like, okay, I can, a, I, a, I can do $7, but B, even if it had been $7,000. Anybody else need medicine? Yeah, yeah. Even if it had been more than, than that. If it had been like, $7,000, we would have yeah, been paying it off for sure. years, uh, sure. but we'd have found a way to do it because it do. just, it yeah. was just right. that perspective. And I've never yeah. forgotten that about, yeah. it just challenged everything I'd ever seen in the first right. you know 35 years of my life at that point yeah. of I'd not seen yeah. poverty like well, that. Well, they came home and then they started a shoe program because Adri, they had this picture of this girl who would come to school in shoes and her two toes on the side stuck out of her shoes. Mm. So it's free to go to school, but you have to have a uniform yeah. and you have to have shoes. Yeah. And so they started a shoe program. Uh, Adrian Brent did. And they were just just collecting shoes because it was the, the craziness of like, like the kid is shoving. These kids were shoving their feet in these sure. shoes because in a lot of times better they were than no down shoe. Because you got to go to school, right? And going to yeah. school changes a, a generation of like. I don't stuff that we just take for granted. I mean, the shoe, mm -hmm. it was like a, I don't know when I was in like junior high or even younger when you wore the jelly shoes, you know, mm -hmm. the jelly yes. plastic shoes. And then like it toes is. hanging out the yeah. side of it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, um, how many mm -hmm. shoes do I have in my closet? But you know, some of the, I mean, so especially India, I mean, you know, it, you'll have some of the poorest people on the globe. Yes. But honestly, some of those people are so rich. It's just amazing. Right. You know, they don't, they don't compare themselves. I mean, I'm sure some of them do, but they, they lead, I have, I mean, oddly kind mm -hmm. of rich lives, you know, their, their families are very close. And so you'll have often, you know, it could be in a slum, could be in a tent. Um, you know, you'll have m like multiple generations of a family living all together. Mm -hmm. Right. And if, if you go to that community, they will sacrifice to get a chicken so that they can have you to their home for dinner. You know, right. they'll buy right. grapes that could cost them, you know, a week's wages just wow. to just to do that. And so it's it's funny, isn't it? The right. things that, you know, obviously poverty has lots of negative around it. I mean, when one can't afford medicine, um, right. you know, or shoes, you know, to put on your, you know, your children's feet or proper clothing. Um, we, we started working in the city of Delhi a few years later. So we kind of shifted, um, I mean, Clark is still very gospel oriented, um, you know, and, um, uh, you know, the church is his passion. Um, but we, um, we did start to do compassion work right through the story of that boy. And, um, we worked in a very, very large slum in Delhi. Um, you're talking like hundreds of thousands of people live in this, right. this unauthorized community. And, um, and so we'd started a program and, um, uh, the director asked me to come one day, um, as they were doing a, a, they started kind of a, like an informal school and they were doing a graduation. Um, and he said, you know, sister Jennifer, you have to come. And, um, we lived up on the mountain, you know, you kind of have cooler air and that was really nice. Um, you know, you go to the city of Delhi and it's just, it's hotter than Bakersfield, um, in the summer, hotter, like Temperatures, you know, reaching 140 sometimes um, and just, wow. you know, and so polluted, so dirty. So 
traveling to a slum, um, you know, across the city of Delhi into this place, it's not a fun, you know, it's not, it's not like something you do, like it's not a drive to Target, right? So of course I take a taxi. I, I never drove in India um, for good reason. Um, so this driver finally gets me to close enough to the place. You can't drive all the way in there. And then, and then I walk. So by the time I get there, I mean, I just had the worst attitude. I had to, you know, I, because it was a graduation, I had to wear certain clothes. And I, so I wanted, you know, it was a, right. it was a nice occasion. So I kind of had this like big <laughs> Indian outfit on and I was just, you know, it was all about me. I was miserable. I was so hot. I was just, you know, and like my face just like dirt, you know, everywhere. And so I was just not, this was not a good gen moment. And so I get the, the, um, the ceremony had started. And so I just slipped in, you know, a chair in the back. Well, immediately the, you know, the usher came and said, no, no, sister, you have to come sit up front. I'm like, so now I'm, now I'm on the, now I'm on the stage, you know? And so then my attitude just tanks even a little bit more. I'm like, oh, I don't want to sit up here, you know, like, yes, we support this program, but you know, I don't want like, you know, it just, I'd rather just sit back and enjoy it and, and watch, you know, the good things that they're doing, but no, sit on the stage. And then, you know, of course, say some remarks, that kind of thing, because I'm there. And so, so anyway, so you do, I mean, you, that just comes with the territory, right? So the director has me come up and I say my remarks and he said, he said, Sister Jennifer, I'd like for you to make a presentation of a gift to this, um, this, this parents and these parents were sitting right in front of me. And I said, I said, Oh, sure. So, um, <laughs> I think my attitude had slightly, um, improved by this point, you know, I mean, what to do. So anyway, so I, I take this wrapped, you know, really nicely, um, wrapped present and I have no idea what it is. And so he calls these parents up and, um, just the nicest Indian couple. I mean, you could tell where they had come from that they didn't have much. Um, but I will say Indian women, like they can literally walk out of a tent or whatever they're living in and they just look so beautiful. You know, mm -hmm. the jewelry that they have on and the outfit, like just it always amazed me. So they come up and I'm standing there. And so then the director starts to tell the story and um, he says, well, Sister Jennifer, he said, you know, this, this, um, these parents lost their son a little while ago. And so I'm like, oh dear, where is this, you know, where is this going? And um, sure enough, back to your point about Honduras, um, he had become sick and they didn't have, you know, I think it was like a dollar fifty for this medicine. Mm -hmm. And so their, their son died and their son had been enrolled in this school. Well, the parents, one of their, you know, obviously very grief stricken. And one of the things they told our director was, um, you know, we never even had a picture of our son. Can you even imagine? Like the pictures we have now. I mean, oh, right. I have probably a hundred thousand pictures of my dog on my phone, you know. Phone, <laughs> I mean, right. So, but they had never had a picture taken because they would have had to pay to, you know, have That's somebody take it and then have it printed. Or... So I'm standing there and I'm just like, oh my goodness, you know. So sure enough, because this little boy had been enrolled in the school, at some point, somebody had taken a picture of him. And so they, you know, they got it printed and framed. And this is what I'm giving this. Oh, my gosh. And I just, I thought, I got back in the taxi and I thought, I, if I ever complain again in my entire life, I, I'm going to hell. <laughs> I mean, that's just. <laughs> like somebody you know, slap it out of me. 
Yeah. So yeah. Talk about so perspective. Yeah. The, yeah. That will change your perspective. Oh, that's such a good word too. Clark had a conversation with somebody one time about perspective because I think it was difficult for them to understand the dynamics of of what we do and sometimes. Mm-hmm. Clark's perspective, his opinions, strong opinions about how we should do things. And if you understand Clark's perspective, take that story and times, you know, a thousand. What is it? Uh, Your perspective is your reality, right? And each of our perspective of what's gone on is different. Yeah. Depends on where you see it from. And that makes our reality. And so a lot of times we see things very differently from other people because of the way that we perceive things have happened. Yeah. And our experience in life also uh, shapes how we perceive things. Right. So it depends on what you've been through, how you see it. It sure does. Uh, And sometimes I think people forget that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's easy to decide that your perspective is correct, Mm. but, or your reality is correct. And that's not always true. It's just yours, right? It's your perspective (laughs) on what happened or how it happened or how you saw it or how you were raised and how you see it. Um, and just in life in general, that's something that, you know, we, we, we really talk about that. Like even like as simple as in our marriage, we have different perspective on things mm-hmm. because we were raised as different people. And sometimes sure. how you perceive an argue, an argument, something super simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you apply that in bigger things mm-hmm. like that can, uh, change how you view how someone else is speaking to you or their their view on what happened is just knowing that their perspective isn't the same as yours the reality is not the same as yours Mm -hmm. and that's one thing that clark has done a good probably as much if not more than somebody else in my life of giving me perspective on things you know when i think of how busy we are how much stuff is going on and Mm. um i get a little bit of a cynical attitude i think sometimes based on uh maybe on based on what i do and who i've become and that's one of the best things about clark is that he's given me that balance of perspective to bring things back the other way and so one of the things that i love about global family and the project that um the daughter project is that each of these girls is as precious to god as our own never forgotten that and when you can really talk with clark about what that looks like Mm -hmm. i know how much i love my daughter and I'm like, yeah. oh, you kill me when you say that. You kill me when you say that, if, especially when right. you start talking about some of the cynicism. Sometimes it's often associated with um, human trafficking and life choices and different things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. just uh, yeah. when Clark says that he shifts, he has permanently shifted my perspective on some of those things. I I'm had grateful a, for that. a conversation with <clears throat> um, uh, Marco Polo with different friends, but we were talking about this. And they were talking a little bit about human trafficking and they were talking about uh, teenagers in this, Mm -hmm. the juveniles that we deal with, but then changing their perspective a little bit when they were talking about women, uh, grown women and choices they make. And so our conversation kind of changed and went to like, nobody grows up thinking, I hope I can be a prostitute. Like that doesn't come, it doesn't happen. Or I hope that I'm trafficked or I hope that I'm groomed or that I run away and that's where I end up. And most of them, and I could be wrong, I think start out younger. Mm. And then once you're in it, you're in it, right? For Mm. a long time, because this has become your life. Mm. And so we were just talking about that because she, you know, was saying, well, you know, I, I have a, I do have a heart for these youngers, but then there's women. And so they could choose. And I'm like, but, but can they choose? I mean, Mm. I come from, uh, you know, I've been divorced and come from a background 
um, of some abuse there. And I know what I put up with mm. as a woman who was not, uh, didn't get into this at, you know, a young age or yeah. anything like that. I can't imagine being a young kid who's ran away or somehow into that kind of a life. And then all of a sudden, because, you know, life goes like that, uh, being a 22 year old and then someone deciding, well, you're making this choice. Well, am I really making this choice mm. or is this just what I know? Mm. Because what you know, a lot of times is easier than what you don't know. Even yeah. if you're just talking about safety, it doesn't matter. I know what's happening here, but yeah. I don't know what's happening if I choose not to do this. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's those perspectives and those choices and and what's put in front of you. And I don't think anybody truly chooses like would, no. would choose that but, life, mm-hmm. right? I, I think that's interesting that you said that because actually um, oftentimes when I speak and this coming weekend <laughs> thinking about what I'm going to say is exactly that. And I've, and I've told people that so many times, you know, cause people will say, Oh, you know, that girl, she's just, she's choosing to do that. And that's her fault. Okay. Hold on here. She's a kid. She's a child. Right. Um, she did not, you know, at three and four years old dream of one day, you know, being that, <laughs> right. you know, or that happening to her ending up in the ER because she's overdosed on some stupid drug or, you know, um, in some situation where she's fearing for her life or abused, whatever it is, that is not the vision she had. I guarantee you, even as difficult as her home life might have been in that moment, you know, she wanted to, you know, dress up in dresses or, you know, right. like play sports or whatever it was. It, it wasn't that. No. Um, but her you know, life dealt her a different a different deck, let's say, and she did not have the family structure around her to protect her. And and that is the result. But that's not her fault um, or his fault. Hey, this isn't just happening to girls. No, right. So, pre- yeah, predominantly think, when we think of human trafficking, you think of as it relates to girls. But I think definitely it, boys are it, affected. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Some I think countries. that like even how can I put it? Even let's just say somebody made a choice and they were I don't know, 17 years old and they did make a choice and that led them to that. That doesn't mean you go, well, you made a choice for that. So true. you know what? Let me pat you on true. the leg and be like, well, nobody it's is going to help you true. get out of that because you chose it. And I just feel like that is so um, I think it's a little bit, I don't know, shallow of the thought pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you're choosing that. So you should have to stay into that. Sometimes it's what you know. Uh, anybody who's ever been in any kind of an abuse situation at all, nobody mm. chooses that. And sometimes that's really hard to get out of. Mm. It's really hard to change your own mindset when you have no more self-esteem or yeah. you don't, um, you just don't know anything different. There totally agree. That's yeah. one of the things I love about kind of global family. And I, I get the perspective of, global family, but a lot of it surrounds around um, the daughter project and what that looks like for us here locally. And, but I don't know if you'd agree with this or not, but it appears that some of our efforts here in Bakersfield regarding combating human trafficking sound like it might look different than what it does in India or some of the other places um, that that we are. Um, so my perspective is still just limited to the work that I get to see here in town. Mm -hmm. And I understand conceptually what you do across the globe, Mm -hmm. but I don't think I've been able to fully grasp what you see, um, on a day to day basis. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about 
kind of global family and where are we now? So we heard a little bit about um, where we started in your heart about what got you there in New Delhi. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about all the places where global family is now that you can talk about. Yeah, so we're currently in nine countries hoping to um, open up our 10th um, country project um, before the end of the year or early in 2023. Um, so India, Nepal, um, Thailand, Myanmar, uh, Sri Lanka, Maldives, um, now the UK, Canada, the US, and El Salvador. Did I miss one? Sounds about <laughs> right. I didn't. <laughs> Sounds about right. Sounds about right. So, um, yeah, so that's where we are. Um, most recently, the most recent addition is in Scotland. Yes. And um, one of the things that Scotland does is being able to um, have the property where we could start to work with colleges for college level um, credit and mm -hmm. training and more of kind of a training ground where you can take people to come to this facility, learn, get the training from you and Clark and mm -hmm. charity, and then send them out across the world from there to go and, and launch. Yep. That's one of the purposes. Yeah. So, I mean, so Scotland is, is very unique. Um, we don't yet have local uh, a, like a local project there, although we are um, we are getting into that now. Um, but as of right now, that is a unique project in that it is meant really to resource, you know, um, not only our workers and team and students, um, but other organizations. You know, research and collaboration and getting together and hey, what are you doing about this? How, you know, how are we doing this? Let's do a little bit more work in this. And okay, here's something new we're going to try or a new curriculum that we're going to you know develop or whatever it is, um, you know, working on legislations and all kinds of things. Um, so yeah, so it's exciting. So that is our, our most, yeah, our most current endeavor. And when you got that established, one of the things that, um, you ended up on was even a, uh, a white house special, I'm not sure what mm -hmm. the exact terminology was, but I know the president commissioned a group of people to study the impact of human trafficking. And you yeah. were one of the people that got to sit on that yeah. on that panel. Yeah, it was a national uh, public private council um, advisory council to end human trafficking. Um, so there were 11 of us from the private side um, and we got to intersect with the public side. Um, at that time, so this is a couple of years ago, really we just got launched into that um, that National Council right before the pandemic. Um, so at that time there were 22 federal agencies um, that somehow touched the issue of human trafficking, whether it be um, you know law enforcement or immigration, borders, um, you know, you name it, right? So we worked, um, we, we were, um, Basically, our job was to come up with a report of how the government could do it better. And so we spent time with those agencies looking at what they were doing. We got to have really good conversations. I thought that, you know, these agencies were just kind of paying us lip service by having us come. And, you know, we would go sit with their, you know, their top leaders and, and we got to ask them questions. And I was really impressed. Um, I was impressed in that not necessarily by what they were doing or what they were trying to do, but the fact that they really engaged us in conversation, it wasn't just, hey, this is what we do and we'll listen to you for a few minutes. There was a lot of back and forth. And, you know, the federal, these federal agencies obviously are just massive, you know, I mean, with how many employees each, you know, just crazy. But they don't see what we see um, from the private side of things. And so our 11 um, members on this council, um, most of us were from different nonprofits. Um, and then we had one academic and then... Um, 
uh, I think that's about it. Academics, yeah. Um, and so it was interesting. It was interesting to be able to have those conversations. And so it was a real privilege to be able to share because I was the only one on there who worked with children. There was one guy who was just starting a boys program actually um, for boys who had been affected, but I was the only one who had like real hands-on experience with kids. Mm. And I mean, to be honest, a lot of people in the human trafficking world um, aren't practitioners. Right. It's um, very theoretical for them. It's very theoretical, lots of awareness and lots of trainings. Um, yeah, but not a lot of what are you seeing, you know? Sure. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was fantastic. I wish we could have done it longer, um, but that was, um, it sunsetted, but there's always other opportunities. But yeah, right. that was a real privilege, yeah. What can you tell us about, you know, so there's strong origins for global family, and I love the name, you know, I say across the world, but yeah, it's obviously because it's in the name. Mm -hmm. But all the way across the world, there's strong origins from right here in Bakersfield. Yeah. And Bakersfield continues to be a place that invests in and supports, you know, the, the our global fight against human trafficking. Mm -hmm. But it's also important for people to live here to recognize that their time, their effort, their dollars also stay here. We keep an eye here into our community and what we do here. Mm -hmm. um, what can you share with us about what that looks like and what Global Family Bakersfield looks like? Well, I mean, this really is the the heart and soul of the organization. I mean, this is where we started this work um, way back in the day. I mean, the Rancho Motel doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that's how long ago that was. Um, but, you know, this, this is our home. So obviously when we founded the 501c3, and that was in 2007, um, we founded it here with a group of local people who had seen, you know, were a part of what we did in terms of, you know, our missions work and uh, wanted to support us. And we formed our first board and kind of got going. No idea what, you know, what we were doing really. Actually, it was probably one of our very first board meetings. I'd never been to a board meeting in my life. Um, and um, it was, you know, through that time that, you know, we got started and, um, you know, obviously me being the executive director was something I never envisioned, but, um, but my father and Clark both did, <laughs> better for worse. So, <laughs> so here I am. But um, you know, what what Kern has done for us, you know, being our home community, we've had so much support. Not just financial support, but the majority of our financial support has come from Kern County. Um, but just the you know the prayers, the encouragement, um, the you know like just the assistance with what we do, right? Brainstorming, you know, us being able to, you know, you know how much I call upon you, Brent, in terms of, oh my goodness, what's going on here? You know, what are we <laughs> going to do? And and just resourcing that we've had from this community. Um, and so I think a really important point that I always try to make with people is that, um, and, you know, somebody said this to me and I think I kind of like it. It's, you know, we have local roots, but we have a global reach. Mm, that's um, good. And I that's like- a good tagline I right like, there. it kind of, yeah, it kind of is. Roots. I, with global, the global reach. reach. Oh know. my gosh, there's the if, there's if the it, new social media it, marketing if campaign it rhymed, right there. It would be even better, but um We need to tell but, Justin, hey Justin Robin, if you're listening to this, uh, yeah, exactly. we want you to work with that Noted. tagline. Noted. Like, but can yeah. you somehow make it rhyme? Yeah. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. But but I think I want people from this community to be proud of everything they've done. And obviously most people will never see that, but I think it's super cool that a community like this for the first 10 years that we were a 501c3, 
we had no project in Bakersfield. So the support was going to places that people were never going to go visit, that they never wanted to go visit, um, you know, or people that they would never, you know, feel or touch. And um, I think that's super cool. And what what we've built, you know, what we learned in the beginning days here in Kern, you know, informs what we do over in India and what we do over in Myanmar informs what we do in Nepal and vice versa. And so I, I think it's really cool. And I, and I, I hope that people from here see that because it's really impressive. I, I, this is not impressive, I would say, but I was like, local roots, global boots. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you're so stuck on that. Was, so stuck you on, you're trying to make good. the, you're trying like, to make the tagline make work. She's going to be texting me tomorrow. She's gonna come, like, you're going to come up with it. <laughs> Well, we're kind of we're kind of boots and jeans type people too, yeah, so that no, explains I'm that. Sorry. It sounds a little military. Though. I know we're gonna. Have to oh, you're going boots and military. I was thinking boots I was thinking like, like walking, like country. Boots. Country. Yeah. Well, oh, the, you know the, the keep on time. it. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna work on this. <laughs> I am gonna, gonna work. I will say though, um, <laughs> I thought it was. I'm I'm, I'm always super proud of where we come from, uh, in Bakersfield mm-hmm. because I remember, um, uh. There's a couple of uh, ladies that were added to the planning committee mm-hmm. and um, they were lovely ladies. But one of the things they said is, um, you know, they uh, were people that had moved, you know, to other cities or whatever. Yes. And they were like, you know, where we yeah. live, this does not happen. And they're like, do you know how many f- um, fundraisers we uh, have been invited to lately? Mm-hmm. And I've never seen a community that gives so much as Kern County. Mm-hmm. And I know we had some other friends so that true. were from other cities kind of prominent cities and they were like we, we were just talking they were like oh can you come like no we have a fundraiser for this no we can't go we have a fundraiser we have to be for that and they were like what the heck is going on yeah. in Kern county you guys <laughs> have fundraisers all the time they were like we have one a year and i have to say it makes me super proud to be part of this community that gives yeah. to so many different organizations that's yep. true i mean we've it is true you know global family benefits from the generosity of people in this community you know to help be able to fund this type of work and you know it's um an exciting time i think as we're growing we're able to transition the home that we have here and mm-hmm. uh, purchasing a new home that's kind of a rural uh setting which we think will be yeah. helpful for yeah. healing and just life and and um, and the life that um, the people we serve for mm-hmm. them and the home we're able to provide. So that's a really exciting uh, time for some growth mm-hmm. for the organization right now. And we're thankful for so many people that helped us along the way from that, who've yeah. made the, the donations to be able to make that possible. Even some of the governmental organizations that we work with, that we collaborate with to provide the service, but even private industry, um, you know, recently mm-hmm. with, you know, Valley Strong really helped us in being able to, um, and to being able to, to complete the real estate transaction and just mm-hmm. some of the local businesses that we were able to work with as well. So yep. it really, um, is an inspiring, um, to, to live and work in a community like that. So yeah. Even our older is. kids say that too. Like, uh, they're always like, why don't you guys move somewhere like San Diego? I'm like, well, first of all, we can't afford it, but yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. there's a reason that we still live here in mm-hmm. Bakersfield yeah. and, um, I don't know of, I'm sure there are other communities, but as far as in California of people that we know, I don't know of another community that gives as much as I don't the people either. of Kern County. I really I don't. don't. No, I don't either. 
Well, yeah. are you able to talk about um, where the growth is or is that still um, to be or where you're wanting the growth to, to become or is that something that uh, for for a variety of reasons yeah. we might want to keep under our hats for right now? No, I mean, the, you know, the the vision for the organization, the ultimate goal is that we would have um, a, a, a cultural, a, a fully developed model in every um, major cultural context of the world. Um, so we, we have some work to do. Um, you know, we don't have a, a strong model in, um, in a Muslim context. Um, we don't have, um, a, a full model in, um, like in the Latin American, Central American context. Um, you know, Southern Asia, we're doing pretty well, but Europe, we're just getting started. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of work to do, and that that is the goal. We we want to be able to have presence in in those contexts so that we can um, that we can share our resources. You know, we don't right. want to be in every country of the world. We don't want to, you know, we're not going to strive to help every child and every family. Um, but if we have something that we can point people to and say, hey, we've done it here, let us share our resources you know, our resources, um, with you, you come, you know, you come see and feel and breathe what we do. We'll share everything with you. We'll help you. We'll train you. And then you go off to, you know, wherever, you know, wherever you're called to whatever country. So there's these, uh, we've talked about this before about, um, in some countries, uh, it's not just about providing, like getting them out of where they are. Sometimes it's about providing basics because I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest, if you can't provide, if I don't have the basics in life, I don't, I don't care about anything else. If I don't have something to eat, I don't have a roof over my head. Mm -hmm. uh, If I don't have these things, I don't, I don't care about your culture, your religion. Um, You're not eating. Your basic needs are not met. Yes. (laughs) Right. 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 Yeah. Not much else matters. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Basic needs is a, is a big part of what we do. I mean, you know, in, in the developing part of the world where right. we work, um, especially places like Nepal and India, um, the reason children um, become exploited and trafficked is often because of um, a family's basic needs are not being met, right. you know, right. due to poverty. Um, that's not always the case in every country, no. um, but when you know when a family. And this is a true story. You know, family in Nepal has seven kids um, and, you know, the, the boys eat more than the girls. Um, you know, they get to go to the doctor. Maybe if they're sick, the girl doesn't. You know, she gets pulled out of school to work in the fields. Her brother still goes to school. A girl grows up in that context, understanding her value and she doesn't value herself. <laughs> let's, right, let's be right. honest. And um and those those girls are so vulnerable because one, they know they're a burden to their families. They know that when they become marriageable age, that their family will have to pay a dowry, you know, um, to get them married. Um, and so, you know, traffickers prey on those kinds of um, those kinds of areas, especially rural, village, very very poor areas, right. because these you know these girls have nothing, and the thought of you know, a job, a thought of, I could do something and I could send money back home to my family. Um, You know, even if they don't know exactly all about it, or if they think something might be wrong, what, what is it here? You know? Um, And, you know, to be fair, some families sell their daughters. And I know, you know, to us as North Americans, I mean, most people just go, I just can't imagine a culture doing that. Well, okay. If you have seven children and you're not able to feed all of your children, 
it's a very different mindset at that point. If I could sell <laughs> one to feed six. If I have one girl that all of us yeah. that um you know that I can sell and then we can take care of the rest. The rest. That's a that's a position that none of us in this, you know, We've in this room to, right? have never had to uh, to be in. Thank God. Um thank God, but some people are. And so it, that's, you know, going back to perspective. Okay, you know. Yeah, absolutely do do? perspective. So, My family's going to starve or I make this decision. And that's something I just, again, we don't know about. Yeah. We haven't had to make those decisions. Yeah. And it's super easy to say what you would do in this, any yeah. situation, right? any situation. Yeah. I would never put up with that. I would never do that. I would never make that decision. You really don't know till you're there. Yeah. And especially that kind of a situation where I have seven kids and I got to feed them or, yeah. and, and my spouse, yeah. but I can yeah. sell one and we all are okay. Yeah. So if uh, either of the two people that listen to this cared about um, <laughs> donating or learning more about Global Family, how would they? We'll listen to it later. Yeah. So that's three. <laughs> when, uh, that's when, three. Yeah, when my mom and April's mom listen to this. Okay, this is a lie because I have to say, like, our friend Paulina was like, hey, when is your next podcast? I listen to your podcast in the morning and Aww. you guys have only released three. I, you guys are not doing this frequently enough. That's true. So when... My so mom, your mom, people. and Paulina listen to this, yeah. and they want to look up Global Family. What's the website? What's the social media? Where do they go? How do they find sure. more about it? Because I can't think of a bigger social topic, really, that people are talking about more right now than mm. the issue of human trafficking. And this isn't a fad for this organization. As you've heard, we've been around formally for 15 years, but really the basis of the work you've been doing is is longer than that. About 25 years, 25 or 30 years you've been doing this work, right? So where about can- 30, uh, About 30 you, years. Yeah, yeah, so where can where can people find sure. you and learn more yep. about the organization? Yeah, so globalfamily.care is the best place to go because then you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and, and all of that from there. Um, and we do have a local office, obviously. So just for general information or if somebody thinks, oh, I want to volunteer um, to get onto our mailing list, that kind of thing, our phone number is 661-213-3380. And general email is info at myglobalfamily.org. What does the organization need from what does the organization need from people? Well, we need volunteers, we need donations, um, we need um, prayer support. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, you name so in it. In case people but... don't know, like uh, you were mentioning, we do have a uh, a new home that we have purchased, and yep. that home will need to be furnished. These girls need uh, a yep. safe place to be. Um, we've talked about horse therapy. None mm -hmm. of these, nothing's free. Like, I mean, no. people donate, and so uh, I, I, I know a lot of people in this community are always concerned like, hey, but I kind of want my money to stay local. Sure. And that is a possibility. It absolutely is. It can stay lots. about as local as you as want it, it gets. to. Right. We've had some yeah. people yeah. too that have made yeah. donations to Scotland that said we want this to only go to right. Scotland. Absolutely. I know other business owners here who yes. direct money and they say I want this to only go to India and yeah. we honor that. Yeah. I think it well. depends on where their heart where their their heartstrings yeah. are being pulled. Honoring donor designations is very, very important. Right. Yeah. Right. So but we have those if things. somebody was like, hey, I, I, you know, my family lives here because we've we've talked about this even with his yeah. job. Like that is huge because uh, our kids live here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want my kids to grow up in a in a in a safe, good community. And so that it, 
that's why we work with yeah. these kind of organizations locally because it's important for us um, and important for us, our kids to be exposed to something more than this very, um, what do you want to call it? Like life that we leave that's kind of live that's kind of in this bubble of safety. Yeah. You want them to see more than that. Totally so. agree. So important. T- totally agree. It's probably a little late for this year um, because the Best of Bakersfield Gala is now seven days away. Uh, Man. But Which, by the time, by the time this, we get this the, out, it'll probably be passed. That's what it'll be past. It'll be past that. But, but there's always um, next time. But it is a gala that we have. It's an annual gala that we have. Yeah, We're right. thankful for the partnership we have with Wonderful that has um, that allows us to have um, our gala there at the uh, the Wonderful Aviation Hangar. And mm-hmm. so, you know, people that here, you know, they're interested in buying seats at a table or a right. table there, making donations. Those are there. And, and of course, we do welcome and appreciate corporate sponsorship. But we are also, as an organization, focusing on what, micro level contributions could look like. And we believe that even ongoing partnerships of small, very small amounts, five or $10 a month. Cause we're know, a very small amount people. <laughs> yes, we are. We are a very small amount of people. We have uh, yeah, several organizations that's that, the we, foundation, that we I'm believe in. You. And right. you know, yeah. we're a little bit, yep. a little yeah. bit every month to a few different places. And we, if you have that- no money, we have plenty of work to be done. Yeah. I There's mean, lots of stuff. Volunteerism. I'm telling you until, you know, this project, getting our girls into this nice, peaceful therapeutic location is going to take a lot of elbow grease. It's going to take, you know, um, tangible donations of items to get, you know, obviously right. the home just exactly the way um, we want it to be. Obviously funds. So, oh yeah. I mean, you don't have to have money to get no. involved. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, Jen, thank you so much thank for, you. uh, joining april and i on our date night conversation mm-hmm. i think this was a pretty uh, date fun. day conversation yeah this one's kind, yeah, yeah. kind of a date <laughs> a date afternoon date That's conversation okay. That's good. but it we had a we had a great time we had a nice brunch and then we yeah. uh Loved it. we rolled you. into the the afternoon so it's been uh it's been great getting to hang with you and talk with you and this will be a good uh part one right because we'll have to do a part two with clark we right? gotta oh, do yes. part two with clark <laughs> I don't know if the, we'll the world's like ready. Six listeners. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, by that time we'll have grown. We'll probably have four Prepare listeners. Prepare the world for Clark. For Clark. Oh, Clark. You'll, that'll be so fun. Mm-hmm. It will be fun. Usually when we do it in the evening, like Friday evenings, we get uh, Sancho's Tacos and mm-hmm. we get a bottle of wine from uh, Tolo. Fun. And it's nice. Yeah. yeah. Have a good time. Good evening. Great idea. Thank right. you so much. Right. I love this. And you know I love you both so much. Well, we love you too. So. All right. Yeah. April. Until the next episode. Looking forward to it. All right. Bye-bye.